Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. Welcome to MedHeads. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and on today's show, we have Craig Payne with us, our regular guest. He is a group facilitator with lived experience. Craig, how are you today? Yeah, great, Fergal. And yourself? I'm pretty good, pretty good. So I thought today yeah, nice. we'd, talk about, um, we'd talk about accountability and how that uh, relates to recovery. What, what is accountability? Well, I think ultimately accountability is, uh, is taking responsibility, um, but also just having people and places and things in our lives that, uh, that make sure that we do that. Right. So to what extent are we accountable for our own recovery? And to what extent is it the responsibility of others? Yeah, well, I mean, look, ultimately it does come down to self. Um, and I think we need to be responsible for making sure that we've got the right supports in place, we've got the right actions in place and that we're, and that we're listening to, to things that the advice that we're given. Um, because, you know, we can be held accountable and we can have, have all the advice given to us in the world, but if we're not willing to listen and put it into action, um, then ultimately that action comes from self. So, yeah, it, it does, does ultimately rest, rest with and me. As, I, I suppose also to really appreciate accountability and recovery, you have to actually acknowledge and accept accountability for your past actions that led to your recovery. And that includes that phase of your life where all the hurt and the harm occurred and where your descent into addiction occurred. And that, I suppose, could be very challenging, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's important too when we look at accountability is that it's not all negative. Um, you know, you, you accept the rewards and you accept the positives and things that go with that too. Um, but yeah, definitely facing up to past. You you, don't, you can't just run away from your past. You just can't just run away from everything um, yeah. that you've done. Uh, and yeah. you don't get to just say sorry and walk away either. You know, you've got to accept that there are consequences to that. And that's a the consequences. There's a is a really interesting co concept for me because when I was a kid, right, I was I was always taught that you had to do what your parent, what my parent, I had to do what my parents told me, right. And then somebody told me, well, you know, actually, you can do whatever you like in life. But whatever you do in life will have consequences. And if you're prepared mm. to accept those consequences, then you, you, then you are entirely free. Now, there are a lot of logical flaws in that argument. But to me, as a young man growing up, that was mind-blowing that actually I could do this. I could do whatever I liked. So I can remember once deciding, you know what, I'm just not going to do my homework tonight. And yep. I reveled. And my mother asked me, have you done your homework? I said, yep, I've done my homework. And I reveled in this freedom that I had until the next morning when I had to hand in my homework and I couldn't do it. I was so upset. And to me, that was the first, my very first learning experience of consequences and life consequences. But yeah, the, the, to accept that one has the freedom to do what one wants, but there are consequences. That must be very challenging for someone in recovery. 
Yeah, it is. Um, and I think for a long time, you spend time avoiding the consequences. You, you spend so much time shirking responsibility and yeah. um, for a lot of things and, and dodging it. And so all of a sudden having to face up to that. And depending on the length and gravity of, of, of what these actions are or how, how, much, how much things have built up, um, yeah, yeah that, that can be really hard. And so having the right people around to do that is uh, is really important. But my nine-year-old turned around to me the other day and said, I said something to her and she goes, your choices, your your consequences. <laughs> it was pretty good. So, so I must be getting through there somewhere. <laughs> your choices, your consequences. I like that. Oh, that's a very good phrase. Now, yeah. a lot of people, no, that's not true. Some people have said to me that this idea that, that when I tell them about consequences of actions, then they, then I am accused of controlling. Is so. Here, here's the thing: to what extent can control be confused with consequences? Uh, I suppose to to the extent that you let it, um, and this is I, I think where choice and boundaries come in. You know, like you, you've yeah. made you made choices before not to do your homework, and so yeah, remembering that you always have that choice, but also how much control you want to relinquish, um, yeah. where that sits with you. So, yeah. uh, and I think it comes down to if you've got people in your life holding you accountable, mm -hmm. um, the respect that you have for that person, mm. and the self-respect you have for yourself as to whether you're willing to listen mm. to it. Um, I mean, to varying levels, we're all. We're all held to control. No matter, I don't. I think no matter how far up the ladder you go, or how yeah. far in life you go, there's always someone holding yeah. you accountable for something. So yeah. you just got to accept I, that. I, I remember having to. I, I remember looking after a patient who was the victim of domestic violence, right? And she, one of her big triggers was the fact that her ex-partner was very controlling and also verbally and physically and sexually abusive to her. Yeah. And she was under my care for pharmacotherapy. And, uh, you know, that means that she was getting regular doses of methadone. And, and part of the th therapeutic engagement in this process is, is, the, is the relaxation of what we call the takeaway rules. So I was giving her uh, six takeaways a week, which meant she could go to the pharmacist one, uh, one time a week. And the rest of the week, yep. she, would use, she, she would be given at that visit not only her dose for the day, but also six other doses to take on a daily basis throughout the week. Yep. And I just happened to do a random urine screen on her once, and the, a urine test showed that she was uh, positive for heroin. So I asked her, you know, why, why when you're on methadone, have you got a positive for heroin? And she, she said, yeah, last week I you know, had a bad day and I, and I used again. So I said to her, well, look, you know, because of this positive urine, I'm not going to actually stop your methadone. I might actually probably increase the dose, but I am going yep. to have to stop your takeaway doses. You know. And she interpreted that vehemently. She was very upset, and she interpreted that as me controlling her and me being no better than, than her abusive partner. So she was trying to say to me that I was basically an abuser, Whereas I was trying to tell her that there were consequences to her actions. And yeah. I suppose, you know, to what extent, you know, to, to me, we were never going to see eye to eye. You know, when she started calling me an abuser and I, you know, I thought, well, you know, this, this therapeutic relationship is, is, is doomed. And shortly yeah. thereafter, she did move on. But what's your take on that? You know, what, what insights do you have on that? 
Well, I think sometimes uh, yeah, that can fall into a little bit of the manipulation side of things is to mm. is to trying to them trying to get what that what they want from a situation yes. or you know like um, and so, and so it's that sort of that thinking and behavior that goes along with things. Um, and that yeah, that that manipulative self self-serving self-seeking sort of sort of thinking that addiction drives you to because ultimately you just want what you want. And yes. if you're not going to give it to me, then I'll go to someone else that will. Yeah. And so it's interesting. Yeah, but I, it's interesting yeah, that you say that there there's manip. I mean, I recognized it for what it was. She was trying to manipulate me. But I am very mm. cautious uh, when considering using terms like manipulative behavior in patients because they have been they they have been you know abused. They are vulnerable, and it, I find it particularly challenging myself to actually call this behavior out. And I wonder if you are more comfortable with it. What do you think? I just yeah I feel like I feel like I am in the in that the overall um, one of the overall consequences I suppose of addiction is that you just end up worrying about the end game and you end up worrying about what your, your substance and no matter what what the day brings or or what's in it it's how do I get what I want at this time mm. um, how do I get through with my substance so yeah mm. there's um, whether that's friends, family, professionals, um, whatever that is, that thinking will drive to. And even people in addiction can struggle to, to come around to that concept. But I think most people that have lived with addiction will understand that, yeah, that they just didn't say whatever they could at the time because they were yeah. interested in the end result. And the end result was the substance. Not the recovery. Not the recovery because that well that's not not, not her aim at the time or not it yeah depends on what my yeah. aim is at the time you know right so and yeah obviously the uh, the circumstances that go with things too are, are very difficult um, mm. so the the choices are are not always easy to make uh, and I suppose and it does, we need that extra support do you do you reckon it also highlights the 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 issues of being the the victim of domestic abuse and domestic violence. Um, does yeah, that have like a that, bearing on, on on one's understanding of consequences and control? Do do people? Um, okay, what I'm asking is, do people do people with a history of domestic violence have problems, or do they struggle with coming to terms with that difference between consequences and control? Uh, it's difficult for me to talk, to to put name to in that, but I think. Um, I think it's a way of it's a coping mechanism as well for a lot of people. So if that's what's helping me get through and that's what's helping me cope with the situation that I'm in, then I'm going to do everything I can to to try and get that, mm. to try and get that relief from the situation that I'm in. So right. it's more about the circumstance that I'm in and how I can go about changing that, which is a really difficult thing. So um, how do you go about changing of, that? How do you go about it? Slowly. Yeah. Um, if you and were helping that on, woman. So I'd be trying to work out what supports, what networks, what what she had around um, yeah. and what choices she had as far as leaving that situation right. and how long that might take because this there might be a lot of planning that needs to go into this. So mm. it's not a quick fix situation. And right. maybe it's a, a case of getting some housing in order, making sure that it's safe, making sure there's an, an anonymity there, 
making sure she's got a good support network set up around her, professionals, friends, mm -hmm. whoever that might be, um, and that can take time. But just yeah. knowing that that plan's being worked on can mm. lead to that. And, 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 and they'd have to be willing participants in that plan because if I'm putting all this work, work in and, and then at the end of the day they're, they're not really willing to go with it, then um, they, they're, they're stuck in this situation. I, I also think that the case highlights... Um the variability in clinical practice within doctors, amongst doctors. Because she went to another doctor who was more than happy to continue to prescribe her takeaway medication, even though she was uh, continuing to use heroin on top of her methadone. Yeah. And I think some doctors would argue that it's better to have someone in treatment and permit or facilitate a certain amount of use on top whilst without, without uh, you know, stopping the takeaways. Because the risk of stopping takeaways and, and making someone go to the chemist every day is that they, they then drop off the system, they drop off out of the program and then they come to more harm because being in a program in and of itself is protective. Being out of a program or being being lost to follow up from a methadone program is very very it can be it can increase your risk your risk of misadventure death and overdose. Yeah. So some colleagues feel that and, and a lot of patients a lot of patients and some colleagues of mine feel that that a reduction in takeaways is a is a punitive intervention that merely, in, merely increases the risk of the patient falling off the program, which in turn increases the risk to the patient. Whereas I see a reduction in takeaways <clears throat> and, uh, and the, the requirement to attend the chemist every day as a therapeutic intervention, because it means then that the patient has to see a clinician every day. And that clinician is able to monitor the patient, engage in, with the patient, and I have, seen, I have seen other patients in this situation who have dramatically responded and improved their lives and, and reduced their drug use as a result of the therapeutic engagement that has occurred uh, as a result of daily mm. pickup, as a result of having to go to the chemist every day. So I, I'm very much in the camp that, that, that daily pickups are a therapeutic intervention. But I, I do acknowledge that a lot of my colleagues feel that daily pickups can be seen as, as a punitive thing. What's your experience of the view of daily versus relaxed takeaways amongst your, your client group? Um, well, I think uh, the majority would be would prefer not to be going, uh, not to have to go every day and pick up. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously one of the big benefits with the... Um, with the Buvidol injection that is now, you know, <laughs> yes. that you've spoken about, you know, but that's one yeah. of the things that I've heard about with that is that they get some freedom back and yes. they, because they don't have to check in all the time and they can, um, you know, they can maybe go away for a week, go away for a holiday, go away for a little bit further without the worry about where they're going to pick up from, what they're going to do if they go to another um, state where they might get it from. So it just sort of, yeah, yeah that takes the headache yeah. away from, but, um, but you know, I like, love you, there's a lot of that reason. You, <laughs> just yeah. my headache yeah. as well. <laughs> well, that's it, and yeah, and, yeah. and it's simpler. But I suppose you've got to work up to that point too, don't you? And 
Oh no! Well, yeah, but with the takeaways, it is it's it's making sure that um, there's there's risk involved in it all. And yeah. I suppose uh, what I was thinking about through that was it was not just about the 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 patient in question, but um, about you and the clinician's risk and responsibility and accountability. Because if anything does go wrong, then at the end of the day, someone's going to hold them accountable for it. So. Yeah. It's where you sit within those those boundaries and where you sit yeah. comfortable. Yes. Um, but yeah, yes. no, defi- definitely, I think. Yeah, definitely, I think most people would prefer to not to have to go to the chemist every day. But mm. I also, when what you were talking about was, um, it can be a way of checking in on her safety. Exactly. And and, and on, on a daily basis, and making sure that she is still okay. And if someone doesn't turn up for a couple of days, hey, maybe we can. There's another intervention that we can run. And just do yeah. a welfare check or get someone to yeah. check up on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's that reading of each situation differently, um, and each so, patient differently. So, just for the benefit of viewers, what is Buvidal? Uh Buvidal is an, an injection that you that allows. Uh, it's a monthly injection. Yeah, it's a monthly injection. Yeah, that, that, it, it's the monthly Suboxone injection, isn't it? Everyone knows what Suboxone yeah. is. So it's the monthly injection that, that allows you to, 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 to be treated for your opioid dependency. So it, it, I think it's important for people to understand that it's not for alcohol, it's not for uh, amphetamine or ice, it's just for opioids. And they, they could be pharmaceutical opioids or heroin or fentanyl you know, on the streets. And does that take time too to, um, to work out like the, the dose that they should be on? Um, to work to work that to work that out correctly. So, yeah. I'm just thinking that someone needs to put a track record in front of them, and so that we know whereabouts it's going to work, at what level it might work. So they need to be accountable for for themselves for how much they're taking and sticking to their routine, so that they get to the point where they can get the buvidol injection. Is that- yeah, you you don't really get to stability on uh, buvidol. Um, until you've really hit maybe the fourth injection. So after four months, that's yep. when things really are stable. But you can get, you can achieve good control of your symptoms and your lifestyle literally after the first injection. You know, I, yep. I've seen it, I've seen it transform the lives of patients. Utterly, yep. completely and utterly. It's just transformed. It, it, I, I have used that adjective in describing the effect of long-acting injectable buprenorphine. So they, remember, there's two products. There's both buvidal and sublocate. I've used that adjective transformative in my description of the effect, the beneficial effect that these medications have on people. Yeah, but getting that, my life back is a term that I hear. Yeah, getting your life back. So how does that feed back into accountability? Getting your life back, what does that mean in terms of accountability? Um, oh, just getting choices back, getting being able to make a lot of choices that um, were previously unavailable, um, yep. and then and that's that's and that's where it, like such such as you know um, not having to get up every morning and and go and check in, being able to sleep in for a morning, being able to get up and ha- have a choices to where I might go, what I might do, what what happens that morning, go, just go out for breakfast, you know, like. All, all the simple little things and all those choices that, that come back. Um, and obviously that's come down to having a good therape- therapeutic relationship um, with, a, with a clinician um, that you're willing to be held accountable to. 
And that accountability persists, doesn't it, throughout the, throughout the recovery journey, throughout, the, throughout life really, that we, every day we are bombarded with choices. And it is accountability Absolutely. to oneself and to others that, that, that facilitates making what we would describe as the right choice. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, and facilitates us making positive change. Yes, uh, and con- and continual change. You know, we, we've spoken about growth. You know, just con- continuing to to make these changes, and um, and uh, yeah, I think as, as I touched on earlier, to to see the rewards of and to see yeah. the consequences of, of of those behaviors. So yeah, you know, if one of the things you know, we talk about making changes to daily schedules and um, yeah. trying to establish routines and trying to do all this sort of thing and. Um, you know, I'm just thinking at the moment, I'm trying to do something with some exercise to, to get myself up and going. And I ca- there's no, can't train with anyone at the moment. Like, you know, so one yeah. way to do that would be to have a training buddy. Um, yes. and, you know, and so there's someone you're letting down if you don't get up in the morning and you get yes. that phone call saying, hey, where are you? Yeah. But um, that's not there at the moment. So yeah. what I've found is that I've told a lot of people about what I'm doing. Yeah. And so they're going to start to question me. And that holds me accountable to the change. Yeah. So this is one of the core points that I that I believe in when, in, in terms of uh, recovery from addiction. You cannot do it on your own. You have to do it with a group of people who facilitate recovery, not facilitate addiction. And once you've got that group of people with you, it is your accountability to your therapeutic peer group that actually drives your recovery. Without accountability, there is no recovery. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And yeah. it's also about, um, I was just thinking about this before, and if I write a list of people that hold me accountable and yeah. I have placed within my life to hold me accountable and yeah. things that hold me accountable, that's something to look back on too. And I, and I can look at that and I can see, hey, there's people that give a shit about me. Yes. There's people that care. And if I'm stepping away from that and isolating myself from that, yeah. then maybe I need to have a look at things and, and see what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it holds us accountable but can also just let you know that how much support you've got in your life. Yeah, so there's an interesting dynamic here because I'm still thinking about that patient that I described earlier. So we've got these concepts of accountability and inherent in accountability is the idea of consequences. The consequence of having accountability in your life means the consequences of screwing up are basically the disappointment of, of the failure and having to face those people again having failed, right? Yeah. And then there's, then there's the concept of love. And then it goes back to control. I mean, there's a fine line between love and control and consequences and, and boundaries, isn't there? There's, there's a very fine line sometimes, especially in the minds of people who have been the victims of abuse. I, I, I'm very cognizant of that, of that issue. To what extent is love control? To what extent is love abuse? You know, you know we, we need to be very careful for certain people. Yeah, we do. And, you know, the, the, the thing that sprung to mind is to the extent that we allow it to be. But, um, you know, I, I'm just also very mindful that of the um, of the situation that some people are in and the difficulties that yeah, some people are yeah. in and that the way out of that is is not easy. Yeah, um, it's not easy. And, 
And nah, even in their nah, recovery, is, it can be complicated because people in recovery who have been the victims of abuse can sometimes misinterpret accountability, you know, um, accountability from their supportive peer group as control, and that yeah. can cause and so I problems. Think this, yeah, so this is where um, I need a, a very holistic um, group, you know, yeah. a very holistic a, a group of people that hold me accountable. Um, yeah. And if that's professional supports, if that's friend supports, if that's, um, you know, just, just general life supports, um, yeah, I, I need – and they've, they've got to be people I'm will, willing to listen to. So – um, yeah. cause yeah. And, and to have my views challenged is part of yes. the thing because my thinking, my thought processes have proven to take me down one track if I allow them yes. to. Yes. So I need, need to be challenged on that and supported through it. Yeah. So what you're saying then is that the recovery group is as varied as people are. And everyone needs yeah. to have their own recovery group that, 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 that matches where they are in their journey to, you know, on their recovery journey. And, and I think, you know, I've seen patients be challenged and in their early recovery almost crumble. And then in their later recovery, just meet that challenge head on, accept it for what it is, which is a therapeutic intervention, rise to that challenge and then progress. So our ability to respond to challenge, our ability to deal with accountability, I think is variable, as is our need for the right peer group uh, throughout our journey. Different yeah. strokes for different um, folks, basically. Well, exactly. Well, and we've all got different strengths and weaknesses and yes. things we need to work yes. on. And, yes. and at different times, we're, we're tracking along better than others. So it's, you know... Do I, I, I think with, with some um, supports as well, there's a tendency to say, all right, well, I don't need to see a psychologist anymore. I don't need to see my counsellor anymore. Or maybe I can drop off going to meetings for a little while. Um, yeah. But it's not just getting rid of it altogether. It's, yeah. hey, maybe I need to check in every now and then. So yeah. instead of going every month, maybe I'll just book an appointment for three months or six months or and, yeah. and, and ha keep that within the life. But not distance it all together because yeah. the choices that I choices that we make in recovery to do the things that we do to set up the routines we do to have um, the support networks around the more we drop those off the more we're moving away from what's working so yeah. I just need someone to bounce this stuff around with I need to be mm. talking about this stuff and and ensuring that it's still working for me because my head will tell me one story but my actions will be telling me another. And yeah. how do I stay, stay in account with that? So tell me, tell me what your view is on accountability and how it relates to boundaries. That was the, one, of the, one of the issues that we had to talk about today. Yeah, and I think I need people to, um, to help me explore my boundaries, to help me um, what does that work mean? out because there's... Well, because they, they're pretty fluid at times, you know, and certain people will be allowed to push my boundaries further than others or I will, I will allow people to push my boundaries further than others. And I think setting boundaries is where we start to get a really true understanding of ourselves and really start to 
live by the values and, and work out what's important to me and make decisions that are going to be right for me, that are going to protect me um, and and help me grow. And so, so how does accountability to, impact on that? Because I need to take responsibility for my actions and I need to take responsibility for my thought processes and everything that's gone yeah. along from that. And whether I've yeah. made the right or wrong decision in an, in an instant, it doesn't matter. It's what I'm willing to learn from it. And so mm. I need people that I can explore that with. And so, yeah, I've got friends that I might go and see about relationship stuff. I've got friends that I might go see about work stuff. I've got people at work that I talk to about work stuff. You know, like whatever aspect of life it is, I've got people that are um, that I, not experts, but just people that um, I trust and, and go and explore things with so that I can look at the decision that I made, take responsibility for it, and work out, what I might do better different next time, what I might do differently next time, what I might change about that. Because ultimately yeah. it comes down to me. I'm the one that made the choice, so I have mm. to accept the, the, the responsibility for it. But if your I'm choice shirking is your consequences. that My choice is my consequences. <laughs> but, and that's the thing, but if I'm starting to shirk that stuff again, if I'm starting to try and dodge the consequences, yeah. which is a typical addict behavior yeah um i need to someone to remind me of that i need someone to point that stuff out for me yeah. and to help me see the the flaws in my thought processes because yeah i've proven over and over again that left to my own thinking or left to my style i know where it'll end up it'll end up back in addiction so yeah. it's how i'm dealing with the life stuff around it that's going to prevent me there and help keep me on a, the, the path of recovery that I'm on. So if I could summarize then, we need accountability. We need to have people around us that hold us accountable in a way that's non-threatening, but nonetheless challenging. And without this, our recovery is going to be impaired. So one final message of hope, because we're running out of time. Uh, as usual, we've got, we've got too much to say in too little time, but one, one final message of hope. Um, don't try and do it alone but and there's there's a lot to be learnt by making mistakes and yeah hold yourself accountable for your choices and um, yeah. and learn from it and learn and that's it. how you're going to going to grow grow as a human yeah and it's it's a pretty good space to be in craig Payne, thank you very much for your pearls of wisdom i look forward to speaking to you again soon thank you Always a pleasure. Thanks, Fergal. That's it for today's MedHeads. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. I look forward to your joining with us again soon.